The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Beck and I'm joined with Jared Book and we're going to talk offense. Montreal Canadiens lack of offense this year. Thank you for joining me, bro, uh, Jared. Thanks for having me. Let's let's uh lots to talk about. Well, there are some really good things and there are some really bad things and, and <laughs> just going through the 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 players that has played offense for for uh, Montreal Canadiens there are 26 of them and there are some some people we had forgotten, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when you get to the bottom of the uh, the games played list. Uh, you you yeah, mean there's... like uh, Adam Brooks, uh, Brandon Badcock, <laughs> Cameron Hillis, Alex Belzil? I remember Belzil though, but yeah. it was like he played eleven games and had zero points. <laughs> I forgot that Baydemo scored a goal. You know, that's 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 something as well. <laughs> he did it in his first game, I think, in his first yeah. game back. Uh, and I think yeah. he he scored in his last game up as well because right. it was the last game of the twenty twenty season, right? Yeah, exactly. I was I was there for that one. I was there. It was the <laughs> it was the night that they honored Henri Richard uh, against Nashville. That was the last game before the the season ended. He scored in that game. And so he had for a while he had the longest uh, goal scoring streak on the team for for a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> n- not in AHL though, and uh, no. it's unfortunate to talk about uh, Lucas Vedemo um, being injured, having surgery, and uh, we'll see when he gets back. Um, I'm surprised he's still in in Montreal. I actually thought that he would be let go and. Uh, Sign with the Swedish team. I'm not sure who will sign him now with such an injury coming up. They, but, they might keep him around too because, um, you know, you sign him to a one-year contract and, you know, he still has a, a role to play in Laval for sure. And and who knows what Montreal's going to look like in a yeah, couple and of months. I, so, I also yeah. think he studies at McGill still. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. And and, and, and I think his, his that, partner that also is part... Yeah. His partner also is, is in Montreal or she came yeah. she came a couple of years ago at least yeah. anyway. And so. I think you know like finishing a degree might mean I I know it means a lot for Lucas. He's always been talking about that finishing a degree and and be ready for when hockey is over. So so you know fair point to him and and good luck in in his recovery. I don't think he listens but if he does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there there are obviously some favorites around here. We, I mean like let's start with the, with the standout thing. We got uh, Nick Suzuki leading the pack, uh, 61 points, 82 games. That's incredible for, for Nick Suzuki in his, what, third year? Yeah. You know, it, or, or two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, third, third season, third full yeah. season. But yeah, I mean, you know, what, what can you say about, about actually, well, technically it's his first full season <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking. But I mean, yeah, it's his third, third year in the NHL. Um, but yeah, you know what? Nick Suzuki. I mean, I, I don't know what's remarkable, most more remarkable, the fact that he 
had 61 points or the fact that he played 82 games. <laughs> um, I mean, the only one. <laughs> well, I mean, no one else played more than 72, right? Like, yeah. it's there's no, you know, yeah, just remarkable um, achievement for, for Suzuki. But, you know, look, look, he had 61 points and there was literally, like, he had spent most of the season without a second center, right? It's, it's remarkable what he was able to do despite really not having anybody to take away. Like when you played the Montreal Canadiens, you knew that Nick Suzuki was their number one center. Indeed. And, and there was not really, a, there was not really a number two center you had to worry about. And, and I think that, you know, listen, the, the reason why this team was so bad this year was because they asked everybody to do two people's jobs, right? Like Christian Dvorak, and we'll get to him in a bit, but he had to be Philip Deneau and Jesperi Kutkaniemi, right? Jake Evans had to be Jesperi Kutkaniemi and Jake Evans <laughs> from a and, year ago. And, uh, and a little bit of Arthur Lekkonen at the end. Right, yeah, ex- exactly. You know, Nick Suzuki had to be Philip Deneau and he had to be a better version of Nick Suzuki, right? Like he was asked to do those two roles. And, and you know, for the most part, he was not bad. Like he had stretches where he didn't score as much and stretches where he was on the ice for, for goals against, but look, he is going to be the number one center for this team for a long time. And if he's not the number one center, it just means that they got somebody better than him. And that's not a bad thing either. <laughs> now, and, and, or, or maybe a more complete one. And Nick Suzuki can be the number one, say just playing, playing offense. Not right. that his defense has been bad, but, but you know, that's where his room for improvement really is. Um, I think it's 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 an astonishing stat to see him, especially surrounded by all these other guys that hasn't really worked out well either. And as you say, playing two roles. Point-wise, I was surprised. I knew Caulfield had had a good finish of the season, <laughs> but seriously, 43 points in 67 games. And how many of those games were really real games where he got the chance to play rather than just sit on the bench for for most of the game. It's an incredible stat. I mean, if he played uh, under Martin San Luis and on a first or second line the whole year, uh, the rookie uh, award will already have been handed out. Yeah, I think he's going to get some votes. He might finish third. He might finish third. Um, it's, It's tough because, you know, Michael Bunting is going to get a lot of votes. Lucas Raymond is going to get a lot of votes. And, and obviously, Moritz Sider is going to get a lot of votes. Trevor Zegris as, as if well. If anyone li- that votes, listens to this, I have a bet on Moritz Sider, so you better vote right. Not that you should bet. I don't think he's a guarantee to be in the top three, but I think it's very possible, right? Like we've, th- There have been a lot of rookies who have had strong first halves and then faded away. And Lucas still Raymond, a lot of votes. as an example. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's an example of that. But I mean, I mean even in past years, right? So I, I think that the fact that he finished strong helps him. And, you know, look, he, he I think he was in the top three of rookie goal scoring for the whole year anyway. Uh, I think he's going to get some votes, uh, but I, I, I don't think he's going to win. I, I think that's out the window. But I wouldn't surprise me if he finishes in the top three, if he's named in the, a finalist. But there's a lot of good rookies out there. So who in, knows? Some, in some ways, you have to when you. I mean, like it's it's. I I obviously know and remember when Panarin got the 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 Calder and you go like, 
Yeah, is he really a rookie? But but also you have to look at it, the surroundings. If you look at Bunting as an example, he's run by some really good players. When you look at Raymond Sider and, and Calfield, they're not. Yeah, you know, like in the, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think that he's probably going to be a nominee, Bunting. Um, I think the, the two Red Wings are going to be nominees. But yeah, I, you know, top five this year is remarkable for Caulfield because uh, he was especially with close. only half a season played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I, it's so funny because every time Cole Caulfield does something crazy, Dominic Ducharme trends on Twitter. And and I, it's it's like I wonder how long this is going to go on for. Where every time he does something, Dominic Ducharme trends on Twitter. Uh, but no, look, he had a great year, <laughs> and and I don't I don't want to blame Ducharme solely for this because, to be honest, and and this is going uh, a little bit back, but in the last game that Ducharme coached, it was Cole Caulfield's best game of his season to that point, and, and I think where you know it's easy to point to Martin St. Louis and be like, that's how it changed. And I'm sure that he played a part in it, but I think what also played a big part in Cole Caulfield's resurgence was that week and a bit where he just spent time at Wisconsin. And I think that that really helped him reset. And he was there because of, he was in COVID protocol with, with fuel Armia. And I think that that allowed him to really just regroup. And find himself, find, get yeah. confidence, anything yeah, because, that, that- and you yeah, need as a player. It, yeah, because his last game against uh his last game when Ducharme was coaching, he was really good in that game. And, and I remember thinking, oh, he's 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 gonna turn around. And, and then the coaching change happens, and obviously we know what happened after that. But I, I do think that he would have seen an uptick in his play even under Ducharme because that first that last game under Ducharme, the first game that he came back, what was a very good game. And, and I think that that really put him. Uh, but obviously, Martin St. Louis let him loose. And look, if you want, like, I said this when, when Martin St. Louis was hired. I'm like, if all he does is work, work with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, it's already a good hire, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter about anything else. And obviously, there's a lot of players on this list that, you know, improved under him. But, but I think that, yeah, you know, if you want anybody in this world to coach Cole Caulfield, Martin St. Louis is probably in your top three of, of who you'd want to, to coach. So, yeah, I, you know, great, great finish of the season for Cole Caulfield. And really, it's really an interesting, you know, feeling for the Montreal Canadiens and Canadiens fans because normally when you finish last in the NHL, like the Canadiens did, it's like, oh, the season's over, finally. But the way that they ended the season, not only with the, the win against Florida, which was a, a, you know, they weren't obviously dressing their their best players but i mean look how they're playing against washington right now uh but at the same time there's a lot of optimism right nick suzuki looked good cole caulfield looked good uh alexander romano looked good like there's a lot of optimism around this team despite the losing streak and and how they ended the season and yeah i mean I, i'm looking forward to seeing what cole caulfield does after a, a, an off season of rest indeed and may, maybe even a little bit of strengthening core strengthening and, and other work that he needs to improve upon to handle an 82 game or, or even more season. Um, but th- there are some standouts here and, and let's talk about the next two. If you look point wise, and that's Hoffman and Vorak both brought in over the summer. Um, they're decent. I- I'm surprised with 
the amount of, of flack that Dvorak has gotten in comments and in on Twitter and etc. that that he's that high up. But I mean, a little bit behind, he's done a really solid job. And he's only 25. You have to give him that as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a very big Christian Dvorak fan. And and I I like the move to get him. I I, I didn't like the way that he was deployed in the first half of the season uh, because like I said earlier, he was asked to do too much, right? He, he wasn't just asked to replace Jesperi Kanyemi, which is obviously what he was doing because, you know, offer sheet happened. They didn't match. And then a few hours later, they traded for him using, you know, basically the pick that they got for Kanyemi. But they didn't replace Philip Deneau either, right? Like, like imagine if, I'm, I'm going to go. Imagine if they had Suzuki, Dvorak, Kotkaniemi, Evans, right? That's not bad, right? Yeah, or, or, or even or even change Kotkaniemi with Dano. Right, right, exactly. Like, imagine if they kept one of those two. And the problem was, is that they didn't keep either of them. And then they're like, here, Christian, good luck. Or, you know, they asked him to, to be Philip Dano with Josh Anderson and Brendan Gallagher as his wingers. Like, it's it just... He didn't know what to do. He didn't know, was like, should I play defense? Should I be offense? What am I asked to do? And I think that a lot of people were disappointed in him because of that, because, you know, they looked at the minus uh, and he, you know, he was worst on the team at the, at the time in plus minus, but he was also on the ice for literally every empty net goal. The Canadians gave up early in the season because what does he do? He wins faceoffs and, stands in front of the net like that's what he's good good at and he wasn't putting up points I, I always thought like give him give him time and then what happens when he comes back in the lineup well he is the leading scorer <laughs> from the time he came back in the lineup to the end of the season he finishes fourth in scoring on the team ahead of josh anderson uh two points behind mike hoffman he only played 56 games and and I think that you know he's he really showed what he can do. He, he scored points on the power play. He had you know he only had five points on the power play, uh, twenty even strength points. But I mean he he showed the kind of ability he can do in front of the net and what he can do in front and on on the power play wins faceoffs. You know he ended up finishing with minus nineteen, which actually was pretty good considering uh, everyone else around him. But I, I think. He's going to grow into this role, and, and they might trade him at the off. But I wouldn't. I think he's a perfect middle six center. You have to surround him with somebody else, obviously. And but but I think that you know he's he's a solid piece, and like you said, only twenty five years old. And, and I think as, I, I still think it was a good trade. You know that and, that Carolina pick is not going to be very good. And as you say as well, you need to give him a clear defined role. You cannot just, you know, be everything um, because you, no one, I mean, like very few players are good at everything. Uh, and if they are, you wouldn't have gotten it in a trade. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, that's the whole thing is like, you have to understand what he, what he can do and give him, put him in a pl- place to succeed, right? Like if you want to put him with, I don't know, Raphael Harvey Pinard and Brendan Gallagher, that's that's a pretty good line that can be both ways, right? But if you put him with Mike Hoffman and Josh Anderson, don't expect him to play defense. 
<laughs> right? Like, yeah. like that's that's a lot to ask of a player <laughs> to to be like, hey, you know, try and score, but also you're you're gonna play against the other team's top line, so play defense. It's not the right role to do. And and yeah, I, I I'm I'm optimistic with Dvorak. I, I think he's a good player, but yeah, you can't ask him to do too much, and that's what they did in the first half. But when they started to settle down and, and give him a role, he, he was very good under Marte St. Louis. And I'm curious um, what that will mean next season and what, what kind of lineup to look at. And there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts, but, but I'm, I'm, I, I was surprised that he was up there that high in points, but, but I, I am optimistic and I'm a, I'm a big uh, Christian Dvorak fan. And as low in plus minus, I mean, compared to right. the others that I mean, have played was, equal was, amount of games, more or less. Yeah, I mean, he was he was really bad at, at one point. Like when he got hurt, he was, I think, like four or five minuses ahead of anyone else on the team. Um, and you know, and then he's kind of evened out a little bit, um, especially compared to other guys around the team. But he, his plus minus is always going to be bad, right? Because he's 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 basically always going to be on the ice with the empty net and you could look at Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, even Mike Hoffman. Like those are all guys that are going to do that. He's going to be on the power play. So there might be some shorthanded goals against as well uh, that count against them. So, yeah, I mean, plus I don't really care about plus minus, but I, I think even relative to the team, he, he kind of steadied that part of his game as well. And uh, I mean, like, just we can't go over everyone and speak five <laughs> minutes about them even, as much as we want to, but uh, we mentioned uh, Josh Anderson. We mentioned Mike Hoffman. What, where do we see these two guys in a year from now? Are <laughs> they tough. still with the team or, or, or are they gone? Um, I, I think Josh Anderson will be with the team for sure. Uh, Mike Hoffman will probably be with the team, but not, uh, not long-term. Uh, but yeah, I think that, look, Mike Hoffman is what he is, right? He's going to score... 15 goals a year, maybe gets up to towards 30. Uh, but that's what he's going to do. Josh Anderson is, is Josh Anderson. He said that he had 19 goals. You know, you'd like to see the assist go a little bit higher, especially if he plays with Cole Caulfield. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I think you look again, they're middle six forwards. If you're relying on them to be top line players, you're probably not going to be very good. And for most of the season, the Canadians relied on them to be top line players and the Canadians weren't very good. Yeah, so that that's kind of where you are. Uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're fine players. Their contracts probably uh, hurt them a little bit, but I, I think they're perfectly fine players. And in, in a full season, they'll they'll give you their, you know, forty to the fifty points. And I don't think you can go by what happened this season because, man, everyone was really bad. <laughs> like like don't look at points totals for the Canadians this year and use that against a player because. I, you know, they basically all played half years because the, the, the first half was, was really ugly. I mean, like uh, Arthur Lekkonen scored arguably one of the most important goals uh, <laughs> <laughs> a year ago, more or less, uh, when he scored that overtime winner against Vegas to, to bring Montreal to the Stanley Cup final. This year, though, his most important assist was really getting traded. <laughs> yeah, his, his most important goal was everyone that made Colorado want to trade for him. <laughs> exactly and, 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 and the same goes a little bit for Tyler Toffoli I'm sad yeah. to, to I'm, I'm really sad both has left I'm really glad uh, especially for Arthur Lekkonen to get a chance to actually win the cup uh, 
I expected um, um, Calgary to come out a bit stronger and, and uh, uh, Tyler Toffoli might, you know, not um, succeed in, in the same way as maybe <laughs> Archer Lekkonen will because they have to go through Colorado as well. But uh, it's it was the right move to let them go. It's, it's a shame because the Toffolis were, were a great addition to to the social media and media in <laughs> in in Montreal as well. Yeah, you know, uh, two really really good Montreal Canadians, right? Like they they made the I'm not even talking about they made the organization better, both of them, uh, and and uh, you know it's. It, it, that's the that's the reality of, of being a rebuilding team like the Montreal Canadiens are. But yeah, I, I think both of those players were very well liked um, by fans and media, and they'll uh, they they did well, right? Tyler Toffoli, man, for for somebody who's been around so as as little as he was, um, became kind of like a a, fa- a fan favorite in, in a very short amount of time, and. Um, that says a lot about who he is as a player and as a person and, and Lekkonen as well. Great, great person and, and really came into his own as a player. And uh, I, I said prior to the trade deadline, whoever gets Arturi Lekkonen will win the Stanley cup. And uh, I guess that means go, go avalanche. Yeah. Well, I remember, was it Timonen that won the cup in the, in the, with, uh, in his last year with with the NHL with Philadelphia was it or, or who was it? And, I don't and, think he would have won the cup because uh, well I, I I remember that photo where Arthur he stands next to the cup and and he when I did an interview with him in Freeland I he, I asked him did he touch it and he was like nope <laughs> <laughs> there's only one you you have to do something to touch it <laughs> yeah ex- exactly yeah you know he's a you know great great guy great great player and um, yeah I mean look. The Canadians got good pieces back for both of them, yeah. And and that's you know that's all you can ask for, right? Like it, that's good 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 job by Ken Hughes and um, all the best to to both those guys because yeah, great great guys um, to watch play to to be a part of the the community in Montreal and the organization. Indeed, and and looking um, to, to maybe some saved up capital in 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 the lineup. It, it actually is Brendan Gallagher that you know had a average year, maybe uh, from what you expect from him at 29. <laughs> but also Jonathan Drouin, who for the second year in a row didn't play as much, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's tough to get a read on um, both of those guys, but I, I think Jonathan Drouin had a really good year. <laughs> like all things considered, coming back to to playing again, um, he always had to deal with injuries, but you know, when he got hurt, he was third in team scoring for the most part, maybe fourth behind Anderson. But, you know, I, I just think that he's, he came into his own a little bit. And, and I think that he didn't really get the chance like so many others to play under St. Louis this season. And he played one game and then got hurt again. So I, I'm curious to see what they do with him. Obviously he's entering the last year of his contract. So if he, does stay he'll obviously if the team isn't good he might get moved at the trade deadline again so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and and Gallagher I mean I, I think everyone will say that he had a, a disappointing year including Gallagher himself so I, I think that you know 
I don't think you can judge players on this year. Like you can't say, oh, he's declining now. Like he might be declining. He's turning 30, but I mean, at the same time, give it a break. Like players play well when they're after they turn 30. Um, So I I don't think it's, it's over for Brendan Gallagher, but um, it it is a little bit concerning, especially considering he's, he's entering, um, you know, the second year of his, his long contract extension. Uh, I, I still see it as, as you mentioned. It's a capital that that is, you know, we, that can be asked to to get out at any point, and and hopefully that will be next year. And hopefully Drouin gets back healthy and and can continue with that play we saw before he took the timeout uh, before the playoffs, and also what we saw sporadically when he played this year. And and there are a lot of Jonathan Drouin fans in in the Ice on the Price group, and and uh, I'm I'm on the fence really. I think it hampers him the trade with Sergachev in a way, not not him in general, but he will always be compared to Sergachev, and and uh, you know it's it's uh, that part really. I think that uh, Drouin can can really bring something into this team when he's healthy and. And yeah, I mean, hopefully he, he will a, be he there next point, year. He had a 50 point pace, right? Yeah. And and that's that's very good. That's top, that's top six, you know, uh production. The issue is is that people expect him to get hundred points or eighty points, or even very few, yeah, very few get that. <laughs> right. Like, like, it, it, he's out. not he's not a superstar. And I get that, you know, part of the reason why people are disappointed in him is because they were promised this French Canadian superstar. And he hasn't done that. But look, Sergachev is not a superstar either, right? He, he's a middle pairing defenseman and on a very good team with a lot of success. And that's fine. But that's what Dre is too, like middle, like top six player. And 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 I get that people are, you know, think it was a bad trade. It It's aged okay. Like this team probably needed defense more than they needed Jonathan Dre the last couple of years. But at the same time, like, it's not like he's a. It's not like he's Victor Hedman, right? Like, it's not and, like. And, tra- and if if he didn't, get, if Montreal didn't get him and he went somewhere else, we know what would have been the storyline anyway. Well, and also, if Sergachev stayed in Montreal, would he be the Sergachev, Sergachev. he is now? Probably yeah, not. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, but I, I like. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not like they treated a superstar for him, right? Like Sergachev is not a bad player. He's he's a very good NHL player, but it's not like he's. Kale McCarr or Roman Yossi or even Victor Hedman. Like he's not, he's not a top pairing defenseman. Right. And it, I mean, like it took quite a bit for, for Rasmus Dalin to get to that label in, mm-hmm. in, in uh, Buffalo as well. And yeah. that's a wee bit of an easier competition, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm always going to stand up for Jonathan Durant because I think that he's a very good, he's a good NHL player, right? He's, he's a good top top two line player top six and um, i mean like let's be honest we're not all working for you know what i'm gonna say here apple or google <laughs> or whatnot <laughs> yeah like yeah i mean like people expecting to be like a superstar are are, are good are, the, the the issue is not with jonathan Drouin. the issue is with your expectations indeed it, it's not his it, if jonathan Drouin is still disappointing you the issue is your expectations because he is who he is and he's been that way for three or four years now like that, this is who he is. He's a fifty-point player. That that that's that's what he does. And that look, that was under Dominic Ducharme. Could he could he eventually get to 60, 65 points? It's possible. 
especially if he has a full year, the power play gets figured out. You know, he, he could, he's, he's a top, he's a top six forward in the NHL. Without a doubt. And, and, and if, and if you want more from him, that's your problem. It's not his problem. Like even his salary is in line with that. Like it, I, I just, and people like, you know, calling him in on social media, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, people are saying, Oh, because he's playing. That's why the team is losing again. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And it, it's borderline harassment. Uh, and yeah, it's, if you're disappointed with Jonathan Drouin, you're the problem. It's not him. He is who he is. Speaking about saved up capital and, and being deployed correctly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ryan Paling, 22 years old. You know, we, we've heard about him for, for quite some time. When will he take that next step? I, I don't know if there is a next step. And, and this isn't anything against him. I, I think that Ryan Paling's future, whether it's with the Canadians or not, is going to be at wing. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. If he wants to be an NHL player, he's going to have to turn to wing. And just look at the Montreal Canadiens right now, right? At center, Nick Suzuki, Christian Dvorak, Jake Evans are pretty much stuck in there, right? Then you have potentially, you know, let, let's say a, a first round pick this year, top three pick, Odds are they'll get a center, right? They, they might go with Slavkovsky. They might go with a defenseman. But either Cooley or Wright will slot in at center. They have multiple picks. They have free agency. You know that they're going to have to get another middle six center, right? Because I just mentioned before, Dvorak needs help, right? So if, whether it's Shane Wright, Logan Cooley in the draft or free agency, they're going to need somebody in that spot. So that... Then you have Dvorak. Then you have Evans. Paling becomes your fifth center. He's going to have to move the wing to, to play in the NHL with the Canadians. And that's fine. That's fine. Because you know, he did that a little bit in Laval as well. So I think, look, he's going to be a bottom six forward. And I think he's, he has potential to play in the NHL. He's an NHL player. I, I truly believe that. Um, but I, I don't think it'll be at center. I, I think it'll be at wing. You, you can argue that even Jake Evans can move to wing and, and then Palin can move to center, whatever. I, I don't care. Either one. Um, they're very similar players, uh, except that one was a seventh round pick and one was a first round pick. So so what, how you end up with them is very different. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're similar players and, you know, depth. And stop, stop forgetting, stop, stop thinking about him being a first round pick and MVP at the World Juniors. Like, that's not the player he is. And, and, and he shouldn't have been the MVP at the World Juniors. <laughs> it should have been Romanov anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not, not everybody can score a hat trick in Sweden. No, but uh, not everyone can play uh, defense for the whole of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He had a great tournament, um, but yeah, that's not the player he is. I, I remember talking to him. I remember talking to him a year after um, at, at development camp, the year after that happened. Um, and uh, I'm like, you know, how do? You, or, and then he, and he, obviously, his first NHL game gets the hat trick as well, right? The, and uh, and he's like, he even said, I'm like, I'm not going to score 40 goals in the NHL. And then he stopped and he's like, well, maybe I will, but I don't think I will. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, the expectations for him were out of 
reality. <laughs> and I think it, 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 you know, like I said with Jonathan Duran, um, we have to know what to expect in Ryan Paling. And there's value in Ryan Paling, just like there's value in Jonathan Duran. Uh, but just keep your expectations in, in check. And uh, they are who they are. You know, the, they're, they're getting older. Ryan Paling is still, you know, he's still young, 22. But he is what he is. You know, he's not going to be a second-line player in the NHL. You you mentioned it that you would go out and grab a center, or you expect Montreal to either grab a center in the draft or or get out and grab a center um, in free agency. We heard that and all kind of splash in free agency, and in some ways, when you look at the, I don't think either Wright or Cooley they might need time in the AHL to to get ready. Uh, we've seen. You know, I think it was really smart by Owen Power to go back and play the last year in in college hockey or, or the next year in college hockey, not the last year. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, in one way with this reset or rebuild or whatever we're going to call it, you have the chance to really, I wouldn't say tank, but not play up to your cap maybe uh, for for two years. There are a lot of good centers in next year's draft. You can easily, you know, they're not as good defenders. <laughs> yeah. No, when, I, when I say get a center, I, I don't mean necessarily for next year, but I mean down the road, right? When this team is competitive again, it's not going to be with Suzuki, Dvorak, Evans, Paling no, down the middle. That, that's so, for so, sure. So you're going to need to improve somewhere in that, in that mix. And, and so, yeah, so long-term, I mean, next year they might, might very well go with Suzuki, Dvorak, Evans, Paling. Um, they'll be a little bit better than they were this year, probably, hopefully. Um, but, but, but I, I don't think that's, that's the recipe to be competitive. So, um, you know, then you have guys like Betamo and, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of guys in the organization that, that might step into I mean, you, that you, mix you, as well. You, you could more or less also get us like, if you're looking at a fourth line center, you can get that, you know, off the way of wire or, or something right. anyway. Right. So, yeah. so you're looking I, at, I think. I think, like I said, I think Paling is better off being a third line winger than a fourth line center, um, even a fourth line winger. Like I think that that's, you know, he'll be in a, he'd be an upgrade on Michael Pizzetta, and we'll get to him in a bit, I guess. But you know, like the, I see Paling as a potential kind of like Rem Pitlick type player. Um, speaking about the of, speaking about the Pitlick, you know, he's up there. You know, he's hiring points. Less games, uh, made arguably a bigger impression. Uh, oh, definitely, definitely made a bigger impression. Yeah, yeah. I, I just and, don't know how sustainable and, and, that is. And 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 then you have you know players like Jesse Ilonen and and uh, yeah. what uh, Harvey Pinar is coming up and yes. uh, Joshua Roy comes up as well. And you know, like there are some some guys coming in from below as well. Which you know, moving on to to maybe. Some of the next guys here on, on the list, Michael Pesetta is, is, you know, he does his job. We're, we're super happy. And uh, <laughs> I had him so wrong in the top 25, under 25. But, but you know, <laughs> we all did. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. What, what, one name that, that we have to talk about out of the guys that are still here is, is obviously Joel Armia. Yeah, that, that's, you know, if you ask me of anybody on the team who is, at least in forwards, because that's what we're talking about today. Who is least likely to come back? I think it's Joel Armia. Um, and 
it's not against him necessarily. It's just this team doesn't need Yolami right now. Like you know, he's a he's a big physical presence. He's you know, but I, but I, he's made for the playoffs, right? He should be in the playoffs. That and I think that he has more value to a team that's going to try and contend than to the Montreal Canadiens. And his salary is a little bit high for what he brings, but I, I do think that he can be a, a kind of third line player on a really good team. And yeah, you know, he had a tough year. He had a really tough year. Um, he wasn't very good. I, I don't know how much of it is, you know, look, he had what COVID twice, right? Yeah, twice. Or, yeah. Um, or at least once was a, a false positive or, or whatever, but he had, he was like held year. out of the lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, yeah. And he had it. He was on the list again this year, right. Um, this season. So yeah, I, I think that, listen, I, I don't, again, I, I'm not going to judge him and say he's, he's, he's done um, because this year was bad for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one guy that I, I said, you didn't want to say that Brendan Gallagher was done. I don't, you know, Joel Yolarmi is, is younger, <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a really disappointing year. And I think he'll admit it as well. I, I believe he's going to the world championships um, for Finland, I think. Right. Do you know, Pat, if he is? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, to be honest, uh, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I haven't he followed might, it He might. And, you know, like the, the, the whole thing is, is like with him, like he is what he is. Um, he's not going to be a top scorer like he was in the, in the playoffs necessarily. Um, but, but I think, you know, the Canadians don't need him on the, on the fourth line and, and, you know, Paul Byron as well. We can just lump him in that as well. Right. Like I just, I, I don't know what they like. They're good to have around, right. For, for the leadership and with a lot, a lot of young players, but, uh, yeah, you know, the Canadians don't need $3.5 million third, fourth liners. And and so there, there are teams that will like teams look at look at you know like you know teams that are Arizona are doesn't count to, because they need to get up to the floor right well <laughs> not even that but like the teams that that are really good can afford to spend a little bit more money on their bottom six because their top six are like you know EL, entry level contracts right like I, I was gonna say Toronto but Toronto can't fit that much on their fourth line anyway yeah. but you know what I mean like a team like that that the needs kind yeah, of or, or, that, or even Tampa that has players right. taking lower salary in yeah. order to be able to compete every year, right. which I think is a smart move if you're a, already made your mint, which yeah. most of these players has. Yeah, exactly. And look, like they're they're, they're good players. They're, they're good to be around the room. And obviously Paul Byron has the injury concerns as well. Um, he, he wasn't even sure, <laughs> um, you know, whether he'd, he'd be back necessarily next year. Like th- there's a lot of concern about the, their futures. Um, but again, two really good players, um, and, and I'm not sure if the Canadians need them for further roles they're going to play. So I, I think that's why they might be traded. Kind of like Lekkinen, right? Lekkinen is obviously a better player than those two as well. Um, he had more production. And, and, and yeah. uh, on, a, on a restricted free agency as well. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that there's question marks there, um, but those are two guys that I would be surprised they're back next year. Um, just for the simple reason of, this team needs to get better somewhere <laughs> and, and they need to get under the cap a little bit. So that those are two guys that I think that in the off season might, might be able to move. 
we will get the third pit lake back in, uh, in into the <laughs> into the lineup. <laughs> Maybe not next year. I don't think Rhett's ready for that next year. But yeah, I, you know, I, I Rem Rem and Tyler Pitlick. Uh, Tyler Pitlick actually surprised me a little bit. Obviously, he was like he was in, in that Toffoli trade and kind of the forgotten man for a bit because he was injured <laughs> and and not really playing. And then when he came back, it was like, oh, he's he's a good fourth liner. And I, I don't think he'll necessarily be back uh, next year. You know, this team doesn't need 31-year-old fourth liners right now, um, uh, especially when you mentioned, you know, Ullinen and Harvey Pennard and uh, a lot of guys that are uh, in waiting in the wings for their NHL chance. And, you know, they have need to find... Especially Rachel on Cazetta. the wing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I, he was, he was a serviceable fourth liner. He is what he is and, uh, he's in the NHL, right? That's, uh, more than a lot of people will be. Um, but, uh, I think that, yeah, he's, you know, fourth liner. I'm going to put you on the spot here and I haven't prepared <laughs> you for this. Um, in a few phrases, how would you describe the past seasons forward group for the Montreal Canadiens? And what do you expect to see from next year's? Oh, disappointing. Yeah. I think it was a disappointing year for the forward. I mean, look, it was a disappointing year for the entire team organization. Like, it was just a bad year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But I think there's potential here, right? Like, this group that, like, you can say what you want about the defense, and and I'm sure you will when, when you when you talk about that. But But the forward group, really didn't change much from the team that went to the Stanley Cup final, right? They're, they're pretty much the same group. Yes, they, you know, Toffoli and Lekinen got traded. Uh, Dano and Kakinyemi went away, but largely these guys didn't forget how to play hockey. And I think that there's some potential there, um, especially when you consider growth from Caulfield, Suzuki, uh, healthy Dvorak. Uh, Pitlick is, is going to be around and, you know, has some, some upside. Jonathan Drouet was hurt. You know, there's Jesse Ullinen will probably should be in the NHL next year. There's, full time, there's, you mean? Yeah, full time, exactly. Yeah. There, there's hidden potential here, um, but it needs help, right? Like this group, I feel like the core is okay, but they need better help. They need support. They need to be surrounded by better players, and and that's where you're going to get into, you know, like Laurent Dauphin, Michael Pizzetta, Matthew Perot, Cedric Paquette, like. Yeah, no, it's they need to be better surrounded. Like this team just needs to be better. But I do think there's good pieces in the forward group. Like I, I like I like the group, but they need to be better, right? Like some of these guys will be NHLers on other teams, but all of them together on the Montreal Canadiens was not good enough. They need to be better. You've been listening to Jared Book. You can follow him on um, at Jared Book, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, you find me. Uh, Patrick Bexel and Jared um, at Eyes on the Prize where you also find this podcast. Make sure to subscribe, make sure to leave us comments and uh, thank you guys for listening.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.